Hey, everybody, it's Matt. Thanks for tuning in to our Growing Greater podcast. This episode is presented in part by Interprose Consulting and Kistler Tiffany Benefits. And we're kicking off with a special thanks to the team at PNC Bank. The professionals of PNC offer a wide range of banking, investment, and financial services for individuals and small businesses, middle market companies, and multinational corporations, as well as government entities, too. PNC provides the knowledge, the guidance, and the resources for financial success. Learn more about all that PNC has to offer by visiting pnc.com. And join me in thanking PNC Bank for their support of our Growing Greater podcast. This is Growing Greater. Growing Greater. Bringing you the stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of northern Delaware, southern New Jersey, and southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabriel. Frankly, I, for one, look forward to it. I'm excited about the prospects of the future for our region, and I'm thrilled to work with leaders like you and others that we engage with on a daily basis to make sure this community comes back safely, but that we're better than we ever were. That's Dan Hilferty, leader of Independence Health Group. We know them here in the greater Philadelphia region as Independence Blue Cross. And we're privileged to have Dan join us, sharing insights into how his team is managing the COVID-19 situation, the steps they implemented at the onset of the pandemic, and how they continue to put their associates, their members, healthcare providers, and the communities they serve at the forefront of everything they do. Independence is a multifaceted operation. Not only is Independence Blue Cross the leading health insurance provider in the region, serving nearly 2.5 million members, they touch the lives of more than 8 million people nationwide. For more than 80 years, Independence has been enhancing the health and wellness of the people and communities they serve. And as the COVID-19 pandemic unfolds, Independence team members are working hard to ensure those who rely on them have access to the care and resources they need and expect, including the evolving and increasingly important role that telemedicine and related technologies are playing in how healthcare is delivered. As chair of the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia, Dan also shares insights into how businesses large and small are working together with legislators, civic and academic organizations, health systems, and others to address this crisis and to prepare for recovery, reopening, and growth. To kick off our conversation, Dan provides a broad overview of the independence operation. Great, Matt, I'll do that. Independence Health Group is the parent company of Independence Blue Cross. All told, we are in 28 states in the District of Columbia. Our blue branded business, known as Independence Blue Cross, serves over close to 3 million people, along with AmeriHealth Caritas, which is one of our subsidiaries, in five-county Philadelphia. And we have a diverse portfolio of businesses, ranging from all the insurance products offered in our area 
TPA services, Medicaid, managed care, many ancillary businesses, our partnership with Comcast called Quill, where we use technology and informatics to using Comcast distribution network to get information out to folks and engage them in the health system. So we're extremely diverse. In addition to our company that focuses on primary care physicians called Tandine, we're pretty much everywhere, not only in the region, but in those 28 states and District of Columbia that I described. Thanks for sharing that, Dan. I really appreciate it because I don't want the average listener to our Growing Greater podcast to kind of miss out on the fact that Independence Blue Cross is so much more than just a health insurer. And, you know, when we were growing up, that's, I think, the kind of perspective that most of us may have had. And under your leadership and your predecessor's leaderships, Independence operation has really, to your point, diversified and it's grown and it's much more than just the organization that is processing claims for health insurance. Insurance. And I really wanted to capture the spirit of that. And I appreciate you giving that broader insight for our team. And as we think about what's happening now with COVID-19, you and your leadership team at Independence has really stepped up and you have taken a leadership role, both as an organization, but also publicly. And you are one of the first large businesses in the region to announce a remote work plan. And I know the passion for that was really to protect and empower your associates so that they could continue to deliver services to your members and your customers and your other internal partners. And I'd love for you to take us back to that conversation that you and your leadership team had. I suspect it was in early March around the thinking behind your decision to take such decisive action so early on, which frankly was very reassuring for many other businesses when they saw your team doing it. They thought, wow, we should look at this as well. Well, Matt, thank you for identifying that. If I can take a step back, first and foremost, the time frame that you suggested early March is exactly when we we actually developed a three-level system that would help us make decisions around how to respond to the COVID-19 virus and how to not only lead for our associates and their families, but for our members and the region as a whole. So let me describe it before I get into the mechanics of our decision-making. One thing that is very clear, we are very fortunate in this region and that the political leadership from uh, Governor Wolf to Mayor Kenny to the leaders of the four surrounding counties. They came together as a group. There was collaboration between not only levels of government, but also government with the private sector. The Hospital Association, for example, working closely with us and other insurers and the county leaders and the Department of Health, the State Department of Health, developed what I would call a dashboard, a daily dashboard that could help the region understand where the direction of the COVID-19 virus and then coordinate a response. So we we're very fortunate in this region that the private sector and the public sector work so closely together. So the reason I say that is we, and in my role, me, looked at this from three different perspectives. One, as I said, as you said, as CEO of, of Independence Health Group, Independence Blue Cross, Two, as a citizen of the region and understanding that we, as a large employer, a large health insurer, that we needed to be a leader for the community as a whole. And then I would say third is chair of the Chamber of Commerce, which I'm sure we'll talk about it at another point of this conversation. So it was in that context that we decided to be aggressive in making sure that we were providing an environment that was safe for our associates and use that to send a message to the public. You have to go back seven or eight years ago. We started testing 
work at home, remote type settings in different areas of our company. One, because we are looking for ways to be more efficient. Two, to meet the needs of a changing workforce. And three, frankly, because we were concerned, whether it be a weather to a hurricane, some other disaster, or frankly, this pandemic, where we might have to work remotely. So when we reached what we call level two, remember I said there were three levels of decision making. When we reached level two, we began to say this is an opportunity for us to lead by sending as many people home as possible. And over the course of a two-week period of time, as we saw more cases, and that was the major criteria that would lead us to what we call level three, which was virtually 99.9% remote workforce, we just immediately proactively made the decision to move everybody off campus and back into the home setting. And other than stresses on our systems because of traffic and heavy use periods, which we worked through over a couple of weeks, we haven't missed a beat. So from a business perspective, it's been reassuring and heartening that we had done the things that we needed to do to prepare. And number two, that for the most part, it's not a perfect science, but for the most part, we're meeting the needs of of our members, we're meeting the needs of the community, and we are keeping our associates as safe as possible. So Dan, I want to pivot to learning more about the needs of customers and members. But before we do that, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the associates. And, you know, first and foremost, Independence is an organization that cares about people. They care about not only their members, of course, and the physicians that are treating those members, and they care about the community. But to your point, you care about the associates, the employees who drive the business of independence every day, because without them, you're not going to be nearly as successful as you are. And there's one aspect of this that really stands out for me, and that is thinking beyond the day-to-day work life of an employee and what they're dealing with. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit about the emotional needs, the physical needs, even the psychological and spiritual needs of employees to help them stay focused on their mission as a representative of independence. Sure, Matt. I think that is a key question. I'll say this. You're going to pivot a little while around customer, and I would say broaden that to consumers in general and the population of the region. So we started an ad campaign in addition to PSAs, which really has sought to educate people about social distancing, about the use of telemedicine, about how we should address behavioral health issues. And I'll pivot back to our associates on that note. And frankly, finally, how to deal with seniors who are very vulnerable during this period of time. And we try to be a leader in the region to get information to people on how to stay safe and how to access care when and if they may need it. So in terms of our associates, as I said earlier, we are not concerned at all about the business implications. Everybody knows that through their laptop, through their cell phone and and a headset, they're able to do what they need to do on a daily basis to do their job. But it is different from coming into the office every day. You may have childcare responsibilities. may have an aging parent living in your house. There may be other frustrations or other things that get in your way that aren't present when you're at the office every day. So we looked at a list of all the things that might really impact folks from those stresses that I talked about to loneliness, to anxiety with what's going on in the economy and society in general. Will I have a job? So we came up with a strategy to make sure, A, that we were communicating with associates 
on a very regular basis. I do two videos from my home a week that updates associates on what we're up to. My wife, Joan, and I have tried to instill a little humor in it, little things that might happen in the home setting, like my initial one at the end of my giving the associates an update, Joan yells in from the other room, hey, Dan, are you ready for yoga? And I kind of frown at the camera, but it's received a great deal of positive feedback from the associates. We're trying to keep them, A, informed, B, have a level of confidence that there aren't going to be layoffs. And I've said that clearly, that we need them to achieve our mission, to feel secure in their jobs and that we realize there may be stresses, as I said, from loneliness or anxiety or other types of issues, be they behavioral, physical, that they may be facing, that we encourage them to go online to our, what we call our iWay, our internal communication tool, or to go to the website to find out how they can access care themselves and also work with their neighbors and friends in doing the same. So the priority has been there. Again, like any human situation, there are, there are folks that are struggling a little more than others. And we have really put our, as a team, our arms out there and around folks to make sure they understand they're a solid member of this community and that we're all in this together. I mean, Matt, we've talked earlier this is important, so I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. We've talked earlier about one area in society that really has been traditionally not at the fore has been the mental health, behavioral health, the issue of uh, substance abuse. We've kind of hit it in the shadows when we aggressively address physical health issues. Well, the time has come, and our company is committed not just for our associates, but for the community as a whole to making sure that there's a total integration of physical and behavioral health. When six out of 10 disease states that millennials face are behavioral in nature, and it's not much different for Gen Xers and probably the same for us baby boomers and younger folks, that we've got to make sure it starts with our associates, it starts with our own family, but expands out that we provide the services, the products, and the connections. I mean, there are a number of apps, for example, that we've been very pleased with and, and offer them to our members, but also offer them to our own associates. And really, through our employee assistance program, really give them a sense of uh, an opportunity. There's one called Stop, Breathe, and Think app about how you can calm yourself, center yourself, almost a mindfulness type of approach. And and we really believe that by giving folks free membership in that, giving them the ability to access the tools or through telemedicine, talk to somebody to really help them get to a place of peace in this time of turmoil and live a more balanced life as they work through the stresses of work and home. It's so important to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. And the tools that you're providing your associates are allowing that exact path to unfold, whether it is for physical support or behavioral support to your clients and your members and customers and, to your point earlier, consumers at large. And I totally agree with you, Dan. Pulling out that stigma, if you will, that's been historically associated with behavioral health and substance abuse issues and and embracing that as a reality that many of us, if not all of us, are touched by in some way is really key. And the fact that you're recognizing that your associates are not only your employees, but frankly, they're also your customers. <laughs> and this is where I wanted to pivot to that part of the thoughtful approach that you and all the associates at Independence are taking when it comes to 
to ensuring that members get the access they need and get the treatments they need. And I know you've put together some really thoughtful approaches to this, almost like a three-point plan around supporting members and customers, as well as the providers who are interfacing with your members. I was hoping you could talk a little bit more about that response that you and your team are providing as a health plan, not just as a business. Well, Matt, thanks. And yes, it has been key because we are in the business, frankly, and it's part of our mission, more importantly, and our set of values to be there for our members. So when you talk about a three-point plan. There's many different ways that you can package three different approaches. But but I would say, first and foremost, I mentioned this earlier, that we want to be a communicator of a message that keeps people informed, helps them understand how to get and stay healthy, and how to access care where and when it's needed. For example, we've waived member costs, all cost sharing, prior authorizations for testing and treatment related to COVID-19. We've encouraged the use of telemedicine and it's free for primary care visits. We have since expanded that to include some specialties, behavioral health for certain, and also other types of concerns and maladies. We have worked aggressively with the provider community. We have a 24-7 nurse hotline And we're ensuring that our members have the meds that they need. I would say that two areas in this multi-pronged attack that really stand out for me, and Matt, just taking a step back, if you think about we're living in a new normal. I like to say to our team, we're currently living in what I hope is and should be a temporary new normal. But some of the things that have emerged during this temporary new normal will become part of the new normal as we move back into society in maybe a slightly different way. And one would be the focus on behavioral health that I've talked about. The second would be the value and importance of telemedicine. And that is something that we believe that we have been very successful in educating the community, both in terms of our provider network. And by the way, we have the most amazing health systems frontline workers in the world right here, but educating folks that there is a place for telemedicine if you need to have a quick conversation or a longer conversation with a clinician, be it on the physical or behavioral side. So that would be one way that we're reaching out to our membership. I would think the second prong would be this aggressive effort to support initiatives that matter. I know that you're very familiar with the PHL COVID-19 fund, which Mayor Kenny, working with the United Way and the Philadelphia Foundation under Bill Golder and, and Pedro Ramos, that we were an early investor. We gave contributed $500,000 matching the city's contribution. That fund has grown, I don't know the exact numbers today, but in the range of $15 million that are going to not-for-profit organizations based in the communities that are serving our most needy members in areas of whether they be federally qualified health centers, uh, nutrition, homelessness, education, whatever it might be. These not-for-profits are hurting And we are helping give them a lifeline to really serve our customers and the citizens of the region as a whole. And then I would say the final thing is we've been very active in the discussion around what should be in these federal laws, these federal packages that have come out to support the provider community, small businesses, individuals, and to really 
make sure that as we come out of this, there is an opportunity for the region and frankly, the nation as a whole to cover in a very well thought out, focusing on the safety of all of us as citizens, but getting the economy back up and running again. We'll be back in just a moment with more of our conversation with Dan. And as we're discussing organizations that are providing exceptional support for their clients, well, this is the perfect time to thank the team at Kistler Tiffany Benefits, knowing the needs of their customers. It's the key characteristic that distinguishes the people of Kistler Tiffany Benefits, leading to its growth and its success over their nearly 60 years as a trusted leader of employee benefits consulting. The professionals of Kistler Tiffany Benefits, they work hand-in-hand with their clients to find long-term strategies and sustainable solutions that control costs for individuals and for small businesses and for large, complex organizations with multi-state operations. The experts at Kistler Tiffany Benefits, they understand the importance that employees and employers place on affordable, valuable benefits packages. You can learn more at ktbenefits.com and join me in thanking Kistler Tiffany Benefits for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. Now let's get back to more of our conversation with Dan. So, Dan, I want to dive in a little bit more to that getting the economy back up and running again type of aspect. And, you know, for sure, independence is a successful business, not only in this region, but across the 28 states that your team has a presence in and and is supporting members and customers. And, And you're also a successful business and the health plan of choice in the greater Philadelphia region. But the reality is Independence Blue Cross and Independence Health Group, you're also a front and center corporate citizen. And you are not shy in stepping up as a team and individually as a leader to be able to say, hey, we can help and let's rally together. Let's bring the right folks around the table to explore this issue and come up with solutions that will help everybody. And I was really hoping as your role as chair of our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia, and you've touched on this, but diving in a little bit more to this notion that the engine in many, many communities, frankly, some would say across the U.S. and across the world, is small business. And businesses of all sizes are what is driving the success of our community and how we as a community, business-wise, as well as philanthropically, as well as civically and legislatively, how we respond to this will really be key. And as you think about that role, not only from a chamber's perspective, but from a leader at an organization like Independence that is always a corporate citizen that's around the table, how do we best do that? Well, Matt, I think you articulated it so well that first and foremost, there are a number of of large corporations in this region that just lean in at every point. The large universities, the large health systems, Comcast. There is no better corporate citizen than Comcast. And we put ourselves independent, certainly in that category, and find it not only to be a strategic imperative, but one that fits our, our mission and values to lean in for the community as a whole. So I would say when you look at the range of businesses in the area from small mom-pow organizations to mid-sized firms, small firms, up to large corporations. There has been a coming together and continues to be a coming together around a recognition of those stresses that are really being felt by the smaller businesses that are the lifeblood of a lot of neighborhoods 
and a lot of citizens in the region. And I would say the leadership starts right with the Chamber of Commerce and starts with our CEO, Rob Wanderling, and the great team that he has there. And Matt, I would say your role at Select Greater Philadelphia, you have forged a partnership with those entities that you have sought to bring to this great region. So there's already a collaborative community in place. But we at Independence, from a business perspective, see it as an opportunity for us to support many of the chamber members that are our members as well, number one. Number two, we believe that the best vehicle to achieve recovery at all levels of business is through the leadership of the Chamber of Commerce working in collaboration with government. We feel very fortunate to have a seat at that table and will continue to be I fulfill my role as chairman of the chamber board this coming October, but I look forward to being a long-term member of, of the leadership team at the chamber to continue to support this effort because it will be long-term. So one of the gifts of this community, and I know with your tremendous leadership and the role you have played and continue to play, that there's no better region, no better business environment for collaboration, cooperation, focused on moving the region forward. And as Rob tells us all the time, Rob Wonderland tells us all the time, pulling resources together to ensure that we meet the needs, being there not only for the listen, but to creatively help solve problems for small businesses that, again, are the lifeblood of every community that we try to serve in the region. I appreciate that, Dan. Thank you so much. And you know, one of my passions and one of the things I've always believed and we at Select Greater Philadelphia embrace is this notion that collaboration is the secret to our success in Greater Philadelphia. It actually always has been since the founding of our country, that spirit of innovation, that spirit of helping others and working together. Dan, as we wrap up, I have two or three questions, and I want to think about what's next. And you touched on something a moment ago that is something that is not lost on me, and that is telemedicine. And I know that you and your team have been focused on telemedicine, as has other leading healthcare organizations in the region who are investing a lot of time and resources in telemedicine. And from my observation, the challenge here is changing behaviors is really hard. And it seems as though this pandemic is going to be one of those catalysts to really change behavior and get people comfortable like never before embracing technology and telemedicine in order to complete tasks that they normally would have done in person and have a comfort level of doing in person. So in the spirit of thinking about what's next, if you could, I know there's a lot of unknowns for sure in what we're expecting, but if you could talk more about the telemedicine kind of way of life is what I expect to see. And then any other insights into where you think we're going to be as a city, as a region, and as a country over the next three, six, nine, even 12 months from now. Great. Well, first and foremost, let's address the telemedicine issue. So I'll use myself as an example my family. We were brought up in the traditional way of caring patient to doctor, to clinician. I like the face-to-face -face encounter with my primary care physician. He or she gets a feel for what's going on in my body, in my head, whatever it might be. So there's always a comfort in that. But the truth of the matter is, I would have to say that the thing that has been the biggest hurdle to it is, in addition to what I just said, that habits are hard to break, long-standing habits are hard to break. The second thing is, 
the reimbursement structure for telemedicine is different from inpatient care. Well, what we've tried to do during the time of this crisis is to level the compensation for a primary care well visit or ordinary visit so that there's no difference between telemedicine and a face-to-face visit. Now, I don't know that that will continue, but there's got to be a mechanism, a financial mechanism put in place, and we are thinking about it and discussing it with providers that really encourages more use of either telephonic or video interaction on both the physical health side and the behavioral health side. I think that at the core, in addition to people getting comfortable with that means of engagement, both from a clinician's point of view and a patient's point of view, it also is an economic, I mean, let's be honest, it's an economic discussion too. So I'm not sure how that will play out, but I do believe that incentives will be built in for both our members and clinicians in our network to use telemedicine wherever it might be viable. The second part of this question is just the amazing emergence of technology, of data and analytics in the healthcare space. And I want to revisit our partnership with Comcast called Quill, where we have pulled all of this together in terms of educating not only Comcast customers and independence customers, but the general public in ways that they can understand various diseases through videos on Xfinity or through Comcast table or other means for a child who lives thousands of miles away on their handheld device to monitor as their aging mother or father adhering to their prescription drug schedule and be involved in a telemedicine or a video visit with a clinician. So all of this, this is where it's headed. The issue, or I will say the hurdle to tackle is how do we create a value-based system that ensures quality but encourages both the clinical side, the health system side, and our members working with us to connect virtually when either a physical visit isn't possible or a physical visit isn't warranted or it's an emergency situation, especially related to behavioral health situations. So I would say now getting to your broader question that over the six to nine to 12 months, we'll work through issues related to telemedicine. We'll work through re-entry types of issues. And here's an example. We're asking ourselves as a company, number one, we're going to follow completely the guidance of government, primarily the state government. Governor Wolf has come out with a, what I'll call a regional plan based on how different parts of the Commonwealth are dealing with the virus, whether it's leveled off and the numbers are coming down in terms of, of those who've been diagnosed and those who are being treated in healthcare facilities. But we have developed eight criteria. For example, an easy one, number one, the safety of our associates and their families. And this is for re-entry. When we refine them, they're still in the development phase, we're going to get them out there so people can develop their own list, working with government, working with their own internal councils, working with risk managers, working with the health professionals to help the re-entry occur. And then I think we've got to make sure these, I guess it's, they call this latest one that was just passed Congress, 3.5 or 4, but we've got to make sure those trillions of dollars 
go to the places that need them. And that's an area of the chamber is being very helpful, helping educate our small businesses who are members of the chamber on how they can make sure they access, whether it's the funds to keep employees employed, or low interest loans to keep their businesses going. So I think over the next three, six, nine, 12 months, we're going to be very cautious, but we're going to have a meaningful effort to figure out how to re-enter the work environment. Number two, we're going to help as many businesses as possible, as many members of the community get their lives back together, get their businesses up and running again. And then we will begin in the second part of that six to 12 months, really, Matt, begin to think about what does this new normal look like? For example, we would all be headed to a gala dinner just this week to give the William Penn Award to Dennis O'Brien. Well, of course, in the COVID-19 environment, we've had to postpone that event. Well, the question is, what's an event like that with four or five, 600 people in the Bellevue Ballroom? What's that going to look like in the new normal? Well, you'll see us having conversations at the government level, at the business level, as communities figuring out what this new normal looks like. So, frankly, I, for one, look forward to it. I'm excited about the prospects of the future for our region, and I'm thrilled to work with leaders like you and others that we engage with on a daily basis to make sure this community comes back safely, but that we're better than we ever were. So I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to Matt. And the only thing I would say to folks, the most important thing is safety. So please, please continue to follow the guidance around social distancing wherever you can until we get the all clear sign, stay close to home and really wear your mask if you go outside, but take care of yours and your family's health first and foremost. And that will lead to a recovery that is robust and where we are in this new normal back to being the most amazing community in this country, the greater Philadelphia region. Our greater Philadelphia community and the health industry overall here and across the country, we're really fortunate to have Dan and the Independence team helping to lead the way during these unprecedented times of uncertainty due to the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, the professionals of Independence Health Group, they're setting the standard and investing in the tools and the resources to support their associates and their members, the healthcare providers and the community overall. They're ensuring access to behavioral health and physical health care and treatment so we can all live healthier, safer, and more productive lives during this pandemic and beyond. Thanks for tuning in to our Growing Greater podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate and review our podcast and share it with friends and colleagues and family and through social media too. You can check out other episodes of Growing Greater at radio.com, wherever you listen to your podcast or at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast. As we wrap up this episode, let's thank the team at Interpros Consulting. They're actually helping us attract new companies and new jobs to our region. As a certified women-owned staffing firm, the Interpros team specializes in the placement of contract and permanent IT consulting professionals. They do it across our region and nationwide. The Interpros mission, it's straightforward. Provide genuine business value by empowering, encouraging, and proactively supporting their team to exceed their clients' expectations. So when your organization is seeking the best professionals to join your shop, turn to Interpros Consulting. You can learn more at interpros.com. That's I-N-T-E. 
P-R-O-S.com. And join me in thanking Interprose Consulting for their support of our podcast. Growing Greater is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania, and helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our region. Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmazin and Maricela Juarez, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in anytime and anywhere you get your podcasts or online at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast.